and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. Rebel Hearts. As always, my name is Sam and this is episode 5. Today I will be talking about how women are portrayed in songs in emo music and also more sexism we deal with in the music industry. The first topic on my ever-growing list is the song Hey There Delilah by the Plain White Tees, aka the only song you heard in every establishment in the early 2000s. The song came out in 2006 and is supposed to be this really cute hashtag goal song about a girl that the lead singer Tom Higginson wrote about a girl he had just met when in reality it's just actually the super creepy super really stalkerish type song in a sense if we're really kind of reaching here and I'm going to read to you this 2008 article from the actual girl who the song is inspired by you can actually find it easy when you type in hey there delilah and when you start typing the words cr in creepy it already comes up google finished it for me so i guess that says a lot so the article is from uh today.com it says muse muse shares story behind hey there delilah she says it's something of a relief to go public with her identity and clear up any confusion about her role in a love song whose lyrics seem unequivocal un unquivocal yeah hey there delilah i've got so much left to say if every simple song i wrote to you would take your breath away i'd write it all even more in love with me you'd fall we'd have it all i mean anybody that didn't know who delilah was she's actually an athlete and if you just heard the song for the first time you'd assume that tom was dating this girl or he just met her and they're getting along and they have some sort of relationship and that she was already in love with him when in reality she actually had a boyfriend and delilah says in this article i knew it was fictionalized and i'm grateful that i had finally get the opportunity to say i do have a boyfriend and it is romanticized she said the song means so much to so many different people i'm just happy that it's had so much success and i don't mind playing along with it which is kind of good for her i guess that her and her boyfriend are okay with this random band guy being obsessed with her but then it gets worse with the other article where higginson tells his version of the background of the song where he says, so in the spirit of new records and new beginnings, we had to ask, which is the um, InStyle is where I got it from, InStyle.com. InStyle asks Tom Higginson, and he said, well, they said we had to ask what's the deal with Delilah. And he says, when we first met, she had a boyfriend. Higginson said of the song Subject, who at the time was a track star at Columbia University. We kept in touch every once in a while, and then the song blew up. Before I even wrote it, I joked with her that she was going to be my date to the Grammys. And when we got nominated, I had just broken up with my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, I gotta call Delilah and ask her. This is the self-fulfilling prophecy of the song. So I called her, and she agreed to come. So, this woman who had you barely knew and you wrote a very weirdly romanticized song about her where you knew she had a boyfriend you quote-unquote joked she would be your grammy date like what she had a boyfriend you knew that there's no secret there's no playing you there was nothing she literally had a boyfriend you knew that it was what are you doing and she had that boyfriend when you asked her to be your grammy date like tom higginson what are you doing you were clearly just 
fucking god you know it, it just bothers me this whole song and how it got romanticized like nobody's business everybody that had an acoustic guitar that knew how to play made this song their cover and this whole thing and it's just annoying and I hate it she did say that she got her boyfriend's blessing to be this guy's date but seriously what the actual fuck even worse is that he asked her before they were really even speaking and he wrote said creepy song I am super aware that she could have said no but also maybe she felt obligated to and also the fact that men can't take the word no anymore because you know women only exist for men and for men's benefit for from our existence you know anyway but according to the band what ensued was decidedly more awkward than the cameras let on this in style article keeps going on by the time the awards actually came around i was back with my girlfriend and she was back with her boyfriend i guess higginson is alluding to the fact that her delilah and her boyfriend had broken up at one time but she had the boyfriend when the song was written that's what i'm focusing on here he said, and she was back with her boyfriend, and we all just awkwardly went to the show, Higginson added. It was super uncomfortable. When anybody asked her what it was like to be there, she'd talk about her boyfriend. She kept saying everything was neat. He pauses to collect his thoughts. T Truth to be told, it's probably a good thing it never worked out with us. She can just keep running as far as I'm concerned. It was never going to work out because she had a fucking boyfriend pretty much the entire duration of your relationship that also barely existed. And if you got back with your girlfriend, why did you bring this poor woman to be your date like i don't fucking get it like why why i actually got to pick up a good book at this really cool bookstore in philly called the wooden shoe which is, has all this lgbtq anarchist and music books it's a non-profit bookstore and the vibe is just really cool the book is called the first collection of criticism by a living female rock critic by jessica hopper I have the 2015 paperback edition and she opens up the first few pages by talking about how we only exist as props and songs which is what I'm trying to get at by opening up this episode with hey there hey there Delilah and she talks about in the first chapter emo where the girls aren't she talks about being at the first at her show for strike anywhere and how the first song got to her she says in the book, a few months back, I was at a Strike Anywhere show. The band launched into Refusal, a song that offers solidarity with the feminist movement and bears witness to the struggles inherent to women's lives. It is not a good, it is not a song of protection. There's no romantic undertow. It's just about all people being equally important. The last line of that paragraph, she says, I was in tears with a sudden awareness. I've been going to three shows a week for the last decade and the number of times I've heard women's reality acknowledged or portrayed in any song sung by male fronted band was at zero and holding the song was a first so with all that being said it ties into hey there delilah with the same regard to the fact that you know women just exist as props to male bands and male fronted and males at front bands that write the songs and um, I'm going to get more into the book in just a second. I'm going to take a quick break to play the first song of the episode. Um, the first song today is by a band I went to Philly over the weekend to see. They're called Galjaway and they're from Florida. I actually emailed the singer Christina to interview her for this episode and we have a mutual friend who introduced us at the show. But then I kind of had a panic attack and didn't end up doing it. The fact I even went up to her is something that I'm super proud of myself for doing, but maybe it will happen in the future. Who knows? I'm gonna probably email her eventually. They're going on tour next month, so maybe I'll wait till after that tour and see if she's up to do something on the phone. 
But anyway, before I went up to ask her, I saw them play, and Christina said a few things that gave me the push to even talk to her in person. They played the song I will be playing for you guys in a minute. It's called Sweat. It's off their two-song tape that I got at the show. For anyone who made fun of me for wanting a tape deck in my car, you can't listen to the tape. That's your punishment, and I will stand by that. And she said, I don't remember exactly, but almost exactly, she said something to this nature. She said, that song is called Sweat. It's about how men always seem to talk over me and not care what I have to say and how I just wish they would get out of my way and let me do my thing. She says it in the song, actually. One of the last lines of the song, she says, get out of my way. She also mentioned that her, that their song Enough, which is about sexual assault and how rape victims are often not believed. She also mentions that their new songs are about mental health, and at that moment, I knew I had to talk to her. Uh, their song Enough, if you read the lyrics, it's basically about somebody who experienced sexual assault and how they're living with the guilt and how they feel that it's just not fair that they have to feel every day this shame and all of this stuff. And it's a really powerful song. I encourage you guys to listen to it. It's off their record, Dies. They just did a repressing of the vinyl. I think there's like a thousand copies. Definitely check it out. It's on their band camp. It's a great record. Um, she also mentioned that their new songs about mental health, which is awesome for me. So even though I didn't end up doing the interview, I got to take a video of her doing a song with Paint It Black, and I think that's pretty cool also. So overall, it was a really good show. Paint It Black was awesome. Gouge Away was incredible. There was a, um, there was a band called S21, who I'm featuring in my zine. There's a picture of them. They're really cool. Almost everybody in the band, aside from I think the guitar player, was female. They had a female drummer, singer, bass player, and second guitar player. They were just really cool. Unfortunately, their set, their last song, a girl decided to crowd kill. I guess that's what we call it. She just started punching everybody in the first row and she got kicked out and the band just kind of like left and it was just really uncomfortable, but I think they were on their last song anyway. But anyway, maybe one day I'll summon the unanxious part of myself to do that interview, even though I don't think there's an unanxious part of me. But for now, here's that song. It is called Sweat. <laughs>
again, that was the song Sweat by the band Gaujoe off their two-song tape that just came out this year. I believe it's just self-titled or called Two-Song Cassette. You can find it on their Bandcamp or on their Instagram, which I believe is just instagram.com slash but you can just search Gaujoe and you will find them. Getting back to this book, which again is called The First Collection of Criticism by a Living Female Rock Critic by Jessica Hopper, she continues to say, it's no, it's no wonder why my girlfriends and I have grown increasingly alienated and distanced from the scene or have begun taking shelter from emo's persuasive stronghold in the recesses of electronic, DJ, or experimental music. No wonder girls I know are feeling dismissive and faithless towards music. No wonder I feel much more allegiance to M.O.P.'s anti-up than any song by any all-dude band about a singer's romantic holocaust. And finally, by the last paragraph that continues to page 16, these new bands modeled themselves on bands we all liked. Jawbox, Jawbreaker, Sunny Day Real Estate, the difference was in these songs about women, the girls had names. Details to their lives, and then she goes on to explain the emo bands of today being like Newfound Glory and Dashboard Confessional. They all focus on breakup albums or just straight up damning the girls on the other side. She says on page 16 still, Girls in emo songs today have no names. We are not identified beyond our substance. Our day-to-day life does not exist. We do not get colored in. This book has a lot of incredible points and I'll be using it more in other episodes and I strongly suggest anyone listening to it to check it out, uh, listening to this episode to check it out. I only got through the first couple of pages, but I was in Philly and I didn't have any bookmarkers with me, but I wanted to get at least a couple of um, the first pages into this episode. I'm going to read more of it. I'm going to flag some some more in it. She also mentions a book called um, Nothing Feels Good. I don't remember the author, author off the top of my head, but I own that book as well. She references that, so I'm going to take a look at that and also see if the author references women in emo bands not being a part of, you know, existence, I guess you could say, outside of being the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which is what emo girls kind of are in these songs in a way. You know, the, the girl that's going to save you and the the white boy who's you know all quote-unquote depressed and you know needs this girl with colored hair and you know no existence other than to fix him to fix him I guess but what she's saying is right the story so far was under fire after Parker Cannon yes he was kissed by a fan which is wrong but what he also did which I'm going to mention was also wrong he kicked a fan off stage while she was taking a selfie with him that's all she was doing they were playing a song they're one of those bands where everybody stage dives it's it's a thing and all she wanted to do was take a selfie with him and he drop kicked her literally jumped up and kicked this girl in the back and that's just what (laughs) and people were commenting about the lyrics in their songs uh this song in particular it's called mount diablo the lyrics are do you look yourself in the eyes and think about who you let between your thighs cut the shit be real with me you're the only one i fuck i ever fucking judge the one who came to school every day woke up for the world practiced honesty her business was hers now how does that make sense saying you're judging this person and shaming her for the people that she slept with then saying that's her business though like what (laughs) which brings me to talk about something that you know might be triggering to some of you so i'm gonna issue a trigger warning right now i'm gonna talk about rape culture and i'm bringing it up after this because shaming women does kind of go hand in hand you know shaming women with who they sleep with and kind of this whole slut shaming and all of this is kind of attributed to rape culture because rape culture 
the actual definition is a society of or environment whose prevailing social attitudes have the effect of normalizing or trivial, trivial, trivializing sexual assault and abuse. So everything that I just mentioned kind of goes hand in hand with that. And also the fact that this asshole drop kicked a fan for doing absolutely nothing. I get it that she was kind of in your space, but you're in a band that does stage diving you know what's gonna happen and no guy got drop kicked so i don't understand why this girl taking a picture with you was so wrong and he made a huge deal about being kissed on stage which again i know is wrong and i talked about it in my other episode about women getting kissed but still just because you got kissed by a fan and you were uncomfortable doesn't mean you can physically assault one of your fans and this person paid money to see you all she wanted was a picture with you she wasn't touching you. She wasn't in really invading your personal space that much. I, I think. I mean, I'm not a, t- don't don't touch me if you ever meet me in real life. I don't like hugs. I don't like physical contact. But she wasn't really touching him. She kind of like leaned in and kind of tried to take the selfie. But she, it's not like she put her, her arm around him or like tried to kiss him or anything. So I think he kind of over exaggerated, drop kicking her. I'm sorry. Now shaming women for. Who they are sleeping with may be a stretch. It might not for rape culture. It depends on where you fall on the spectrum. I don't think it's that far of a stretch, but to each its own. It's not right regardless. Rape culture is the access Hollywood tape where Donald Trump's saying, you can grab them by the pussy and they let you. And the reaction being, it's locker room talk. You know, that's rape culture. Rape culture is also people blaming women for what they are wearing for their sexual assaults. Rape culture is victim and blaming and shaming. I own this book called Everyday Sexism by Laura Bates, and almost every single page in that book is flagged. I have yellow for just regular stuff that's fucked up, and I have orange for rape culture, and the rape culture is off the charts. Granted, this entire book started off as an online project of people writing in and tweeting their experiences with sexual assault or sexual harassment and things of that nature. I think it's still around. I know Everyday Sexism is still a Twitter account. I think it's called the Everyday Sexism Project. You guys can check it out if you want to learn more. The book is awesome. I have the paperback edition. It's one of my favorite books that I've picked up in the last year. It's just reading all these women's stories and it's got different chapters of, you know, politics and television and pop culture. Um, another book that I mention all the time is um, the We Were Feminist Once by Andy Zeisler. That's also a good book on pop culture and feminism if you guys want to check that out. Um, some of them are like this one on page two. Um, I'm going to be me- mentioning this book a lot, but I just want to start off by reading this one. On page two, a woman is explaining what she overheard two men saying about her. The passage, the passage starts by saying, we're going to part those legs and fuck that cunt, and left me cowering against the wall as they stro- strolled by cackling. I will be, again, referencing this book a lot more, but I wanted to just lead off with that passage because it was very par- powerful. Like, these men are basically saying what Donald Trump was saying, we're gonna park these legs and we're gonna do whatever we want and she's gonna let us the same thing with Parker Cannon saying you know who you let between your thighs it all ties into the same thing you know what women do is not your business you know unless they're hurting you unless they're assaulting you unless it directly harms or affects you 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 have no say in what people do say or where as long as it's in a constructive and not negative way And for a woman just walking the street, you have no right to say that you're going to do stuff to them and quite 
quite vulgarly, if that's even a word, or, you know, the vulgarity of the situation, I'll just say, because that makes more sense and that's an actual sentence, the vulgarity of that uh, just is appalling and it's just not right. I just can't fathom the idea that people don't believe that catcalling is, is not sexual harassment because it is. It is harassment in every sense of the word and sometimes it can lead to being sexual harassment, you know, saying, hey baby, nice butt, you know, that's, that's sexual harassment, you know, I'm sorry, it's not cute, it's not cool, this is a stranger just saying on the street, like, you know, even telling a girl to smile, I don't want to fucking smile, I have a friend who, you know, I worked with at Panera for years, she's still one of my closest friends, she gets told all the time to smile. She'd be prettier if she smiled. And she's got a good sense of humor about it, luckily, but it's just ridiculous. If I had, if I got a nickel for every time some douchebag asked her to smile, I would be fucking rich and she and I would be able to take over the world and be able to end the patriarchy. But I guess, uh, I guess that's not happening anytime soon. But Catcalling is sexual harassment. You failing to believe that is perpetuating rape culture. People yelling at Haley Williams, take your shirt off, like I had mentioned in a previous episode, and I'm going to get to again in a second, is rape culture. And now, speaking of, I'm going to read you guys an article from Property of Zach about Lauren from Churches, and she talks about rape culture. It starts off by saying, church, the, the title of it is Churches I Will Not Accept Online Misogyny. It's from October 1st of 2013. I'm going to read the entire article to you guys. It's not very long, and it's really important. Property of Zach writes, Lauren Mayberry of Churches has written on, has written an op-ed online, on online misogyny and why she will not stand for it. And here is what she said. I am in a band that was born on the internet. Although churches formed and began writing in October 2011, we made our first uh, wobbly steps into the public realm by posting a song on Neo Gold Music Blog in May last year. Since then, the blogosphere and social networks have arguably, arguably been the key reasons anyone knows about us at all, labels, media, and members of the public included. For that reason, it's always been important to us that we communicate directly with people who care about our band through social networking sites we run. There are, however, downsides to being known on the internet. Last week, I posted a screen grab of one of the many inappropriate messages sent to the band's social networks every day. After making the post, I sat back and watched with an increasingly open mouth as more and more people commented on the statement. At the time of writing, Facebook stats tell me that the post had reached 581,376 people, over five times the number of people who subscribed to the page itself, with almost 1,000 comments underneath the image. Comments range from the disgusted and supportive to and supportive to the offensively vile. My current favorites from the late from the latter category include: This isn't rape culture. You'll know rape culture when I'm raping you, bitch. I have your address and I will come round to your house and give you anal. You will love it. You you will love it. You twat. LOL. Act like a slut. Getting treated like a slut. It's just one of those things you'll need to learn to deal with. If you're easily offended, then maybe the music industry isn't for you. What the fuck? But why should women deal, quote unquote, with this? I am incredibly lucky to be doing the job that I am doing at the moment and painfully aware of the fact that I would not be able to make music for a living without people on the internet caring about our band. But does that mean that I need to accept that this, that it's okay for people to make comments like this because that's how women in my position are spoken to? I 
absolutely accept that this is the industry. There's comments and criticism. There will always be bad reviews. Such is the nature of a free press and free speech. When you put your work out there, you're accepting the fact that people will comment on it. Comment on it. But it is your choice whether you read it or not. And she says Kathleen Hanna sums this sentiment up nicely in this interview, which is a, a link to an interview that Kathleen Hanna had done. What I do not accept, however, is that it is all right for people to make comments ranging from a bit sexist but generally harmless to open sexually aggressive. That is something that, quote-unquote, just happens. Is the casual, casual objectification of women so com commonplace that we all just suck it up, roll over and accept defeat? I hope not. Objectification, whether it's form, is not something anyone should have to, quote-unquote, deal with. And I totally agree. And it just really wraps up my whole point on rape culture and how people think about it, you know? Like I had mentioned before, the Donald Trump Access Hollywood tape, so many people attributed it to locker room talk and how that's just boys will be boys is a sentence that everybody always hears or motto, I should say, it's not really a sentence. Everyone says boys will be boys or just deal with it, that's how it is. That's not how it should be, you know? I just, I can't believe that we have to talk about this. I can't believe that people saying, I'm gonna, you're gonna know rape culture when I'm raping you, bitch. I can't believe that that's something that people aren't offended by. That's straight offensive. There's nothing to defend about that. I have no idea anybody in the world that would fucking defend that. And if you do, you are garbage. And please stop listening to this podcast because I have no interest in you listening to what I have to say because you are just a disgusting person. And I feel very strongly about this because women should be treated fairly and women shouldn't have to go through this. Men shouldn't have to go through it either, but I very rarely hear that it happens to men, so that's why I'm focusing more on women. But don't tell anybody you're going to rape them. Don't tell anybody that they're gonna love it if you stick you know, something inside of them that they don't want. Don't say it to a man, don't say it to a woman, don't, send it, don't say it to a non-binary person. Don't fucking say anything like that to anybody because it's disgusting and you are 100,000% wrong. Oh man. Anyway, I in the the worst part about this is that people were actually mad about it. People were mad that she wrote this whole statement and that's even more disgusting and I hope that nobody that defended well, not defended. I hope that nobody that was mad at her for saying any of this is listening to this podcast because again, there's no place in the world for thoughts like that there's no place for that kind of misogyny and just straight up being a garbage person and there is a rolling stone article where Haley williams actually chimed in on her feelings about it because i don't know if any of you guys know this but Haley and lauren are i get i guess you can say decently close friends uh churches was on parahoy which was really cool because i got to see them and rolling stone had said to Haley, you recently tweeted Church's Lauren Mayberry post, Lauren Mayberry's post on online misogyny. Between her post, Grimes's post on sexism, and Lord's recent comments on appearance pressure, it seems like a lot more female artists are stepping up and voicing their struggles. Like, thank fucking god, finally. 
And Haley said, I love Lauren's and Lord's posts. I think it's really cool that there's so many rad girls and older women in music. There's a lot of people that have different points of view and it's nice to see people coming together and being honest about something that matters and should be talked about. I'm so excited to see this stuff surfacing because it's real. Even my friend Marielle Loveland from the band Candy Hearts posted about it and it blew my mind. When I was 16 and we, were st and we started touring, I looked like a 12 year old boy with no makeup, sports bra, one of the guy's shirts, and I'd wear the same pair of jeans for a month straight. Never showered and was gross, and guys that were probably a good 10 years older than me harassed me. And that relates to an article that I read, I believe, in my second episode where Haley said that some guy was chanting, take off your shirt, take off your shirt, and finally they got him out of the show. But it's just shit like that that is absolutely absurd to me. And I'm sure, like I had mentioned plenty of times before, I'm sure Haley, of all people being in the music industry for... 12, 13 years has probably faced her fair share of sexism. Uh, there's another Property of Zach article that he linked to from Alternative Press where women from bands talk about constantly being around sexism. And it says, I think it says, um, women sign off on sexism in the music industry and only three bands got back to him or three women from bands got back to him, which is pretty upsetting because I'd love to read the unfortunate sexism that different women face because it would just give me a lot more perspective even though I don't really need a lot of more perspective because I pretty much grasp the idea that women are pr pretty much sex uh, facing sexism all the time but it's just uh, I, I like hearing different women talk about it only because people can see how common it is and how unfortunate how common it is so the two women that actually got back to alternative press one being marielle of candy hearts who i mentioned in my second episode who actually faced uh sexual assault by her then boyfriend she's talked about it on the podcast lead singer syndrome by shane told who is the front man of silverstein she's also talked about it from alternative press on her personal Tumblr account. She's talked about it on a couple social media platforms. A lot of people didn't believe her and it was really unfortunate. Again, I talked about that in a previous episode. So she she has said it before on Twitter and Tumblr before I've read her say a couple things. But what she said for this alternative press article, she said, sexism in, the, in music is a constant eye roller for me. Normally I try not to get mad because I feel like people really are just ignorant to the fact that women really do play music especially in the supremely male-dominated punk-punk scene. One of the most headache-inducing experiences I've had is being straight-up blocked from getting on stage by security even though I was carrying equipment and had a laminate. I walked up to the bouncer and asked him, hey, how do I get to the stage? And he was like, why do you need to get there? I said, I s to sing, and he still wouldn't let me on stage until I was like, well, we can wait here until no band starts playing because I'm not there. Then he finally let me on. So I've seen a bunch of women in bands say that, uh, I think Haley has even said that bouncers just don't take them seriously and won't let them in the venue. I think, um, I want to say Paris has dealt with that, but I believe that was just because um, at the time they were all under 21. So I don't remember if that was actually a sexism case or if it was just because they were too young. But it's happened to Haley before where bouncers just wouldn't let her on stage or they just looked at her like what are you doing here I know it's happened to Marielle a couple of times because she has spoken about it on social media like I had just said but it's just really unfortunate because women are in bands a lot more now that we see especially the last couple of years we we do have bands like Paramore and you know bands like 
Candy Hearts and War on Women and Isley and just these bands that have actually been around for a long time. I can't believe that we just... And female artists. Females are so predominantly in the music industry now. It's just not that uncommon anymore so I don't understand why people haven't just gotten with the times as I guess the kids say but the other female that got back to alternative press was Shauna from War on Women she said we played this past February in LA at Equoplex oh Echoplex sorry it was part of a short run run of shows up and down the west coast opening for propaganda propagandy Oh, I've never known how to say that band's name. I'm really sorry. I think it's Propagandi and or Propagandi, sorry. And the Flatliners. It was the last show, and the tour had gone really well. And for a pretty unknown, pretty unknown band like us, the response was great. Halfway through our set, a guy started yelling super loud, "I like your ass!" In between songs, it was too loud to ignore, so I tried to deflect it with humor, saying on the mic to my drummer, "Hear that, Evan? That dude likes your ass." Well, dude didn't get it. You didn't get it and yelled no you the singer your ass meanwhile nancy had her own jerk to deal with he was standing right under her yelling yeah sexy baby nice ass for a few songs some might ask what the big deal is or say if you go on stage you should expect to hear some shit i'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you were one of those people you've probably never been afraid of being harassed followed groped or assaulted because of your gender that isn't your average hackle heckle sorry Sure, on stage in that moment, we were in control, and I have a very loud mic and opportunity to call that dude out. But after the show, I just kept thinking, what if I didn't have a mic? What if I wasn't on stage, but on the street, and the stranger spoke to me like that, commanding I pay attention to him? It wasn't hard to imagine, because for most women in LGBTQ folks, it's daily reality. And then I hesitated to go into the audience after we played, because what if I saw him? Or what if he snuck up behind me and touched me? The threat of violence doesn't disappear when the show is over and you make it to the floor you're sleeping on that night. It's constant, oppressive, wrapped in compliments, and dismissed as overreacting. Of course, we're freaked out by seemingly innocuous comments. Because when we do stand up for ourselves, harassers get more aggressive, and when they take their aggression out on us, we get blamed. It's in our best interest to avoid any interaction with anyone in public. Ever. If that doesn't sound like a way of controlling women, I don't know what does. The idea that women's bodies exist for male consumption, that we as human beings are to be judged solely on our fuckability, is so <laughs> pervasive that even a front person on a 10 foot high stage and amplified microphone can't escape it. The entire episode maybe lasted about two minutes and ended with me going on a rant about how women do not think of pleasing anyone but themselves when they get dressed and leave their homes every day and that if you're going to be an asshole, you can at least buy one of our shirts to help us pay for gas. It was quick, the show moved on, but I'm still thinking about it. It's one of the many harassment experiences I think about whenever I pass a strange man on the street. So obviously this really hits Shauna and obviously it's something that she's constantly thinking about. It's something that I constantly thinking about, that I'm constantly thinking about, and I've never had this happen to me, thankfully, but I'm always thinking about if I saw somebody on the street, what would I do? What would I do? Like if somebody said something to me, would I run away? Would I say something to them? I've luckily rarely ever been spoken to on the street or have ever really been harassed, luckily, because I A, don't really go out in public that often. B, I go to point A to point B with very little walking in between, and I'm always usually with somebody. 
so I'm, I'm thankful that I've never really had to deal with this myself but I constantly think about it as being a woman in society today I'm always thinking about what if that's why I part of part of it is anxiety part of it is because I well I guess it's all anxiety because I'm always thinking you know what if something bad happens to me so I never go out without somebody I can't drive I, I live on Long Island. I can't even drive in the city by myself because I'm so terrified of walking by myself. I won't go on a subway by myself. I won't go on the train by myself. I won't go to a different state by myself. A lot of people, you know, when Paramore toured two years ago, I was trying to, I wanted to get tickets for several states, but nobody wanted to go with me. And a couple of people asked me, why don't you just drive yourself? And it seems so easy for people that aren't really anxious about this stuff, but I'm always anxious about it. And it just sucks because it's really controlling how I want to live my life. Paramore is going to tour pretty soon and I don't know what I'm going to do because I want to go to several dates on it, but I don't know who's going to go with me. So I guess I'm going to have to cross that bridge when it comes, but it's just really unfortunate. And everything that Shauna said is totally relevant and I agree with 100% of it. You know, what if she was walking on the street? What if she wasn't on that stage? You know, what if that guy did find her after the show? It's being a woman I feel like is a constant game of what if and it's always terrifying and I mean I could keep going on but then I will have one long episode instead of more to bring you guys every week or whenever I decide to record sorry this took me two weeks I was working a lot and also I just couldn't find the time to sit down and finish this outline because there was just a lot to say and also a lot of cool stuff happened but I hope you guys get some information out of this episode and hopefully those of you that were confused on what rape culture was see it a lot more clearly now and maybe understand it. I'm recording this episode in the midst of a lot of cool things though so I'm going to leave you guys on kind of a happier note. I'm going to give you a lot of information now so be prepared. So Paris just came out with their new song from their new album. I'm assuming we will know what the title is tomorrow which is May 1st. I'm recording this uh, on April 30th. I think there's only 30 days in April. There are only 30 days in April. Sorry guys, I had to check that. I've seen a lot of it's gonna be May memes and it's been fucking up my, you know, my life really. The song is called Heaven and right now you can hear it on Alternative Press. If you um, see it on Twitter, I think it's on one of their most recent tweets. You can listen to it there. You can also hear Lynn from Paris talking about the song a little bit and there's an interview after where she answers a couple questions very vaguely. I think we'll get more information tomorrow about it. Paramore just came out with their lead single from their new record, After Laughter. The song is called Hard Times. That'll be coming out May 12th. I'm so fucking excited, guys. You can pre-order from Paramore.net or on iTunes. I already pre-ordered it twice. And once the vinyl comes out a third time, because I'm 100% Paramore trash and I embrace every second of it, the song is a little different. The video is a little different. Me being a hardcore Paramore fan, I support everything they do because, again, I just said I am 100% Paramore trash. And also, since the self-titled album, I've kind of gotten used to the idea that they're kind of branching out from their old style, which is totally cool with me. I have no problem with them changing their style. Fall Out Boy just came out with a song that I'm pretty into, but not really, but I see where they're going with it. You know, Tegan and Sarah used to be indie pop, or I called it indie pop, I guess. Uh, Sainthood was pretty indie pop. And now they're, they're completely electronic pop, very EDM, I I think, it, but Closer is a jam. I fucking love Closer. So I'm open to all sorts of music, you know, and Hard Times is definitely something that 
took me two listens to really jam out to but after like the 58th listen i'm so into it it's my fucking jam they played it on bli today and i am so excited about the record um anyway back to more bands that are coming out with new stuff tiger's jaw have a record called spin coming out may 19th and their lead single called guardian is up online you guys can pre-order their album on their website tigersjaw.com um i i pre-ordered it the song guardian kind of sounds different than their last record charmer but i'm hopeful for the record i love tiger's jaw their sound is ever changing because they only have two members now i love charmer i loved everything that they've ever done they have another song called june out also so if you pre-order the record you get an instant download of guardian and june i haven't heard june yet because like i said i've been super busy but i'm sure it's really good i'll tell you guys more about it when i listen to it Halsey has her new single out called Now or Never. It's been on the radio a lot. I'm sure you guys have heard it. It's from her new album, Hopeless Fountain Kingdom, and it's due out June 2nd. You guys can pre-order that album off her web store, which is HalseyShop.com. I like Now or Never. I think it's a good song. I'm a fan of Halsey's music. Her as a person is super problematic, but I'm here for the music. I think she's doing doing her thing she's good at it her song for the 50 shades darker soundtrack was really good i'm a fan of it and lastly i'm gonna mention air sound who i've played um i can't wait to play one of their songs from their new album they're dropping it um they're dropping an assumed single i guess it's called proud from an ep i'm assuming i don't know what they're doing but whatever it is it's called layers there's no release date at the time of this recording but like i said you guys can follow that journey on their twitter or their facebook for more info i think it's probably coming out this month i think alexa just posted something on facebook about it she's been posting a lot of or i'm assuming it's alexa one of the band members have been posting a lot of teasers proud um congrats i think one of them was and i don't know they've been doing a bunch of cool stuff so check that out look out for layers i'm excited about it i'll probably play one of their songs in one of my episodes when that comes out so be on the lookout for that and also now now at some point is putting out their record i don't know if it's done or not yet i i talked about it in my last episode but i'm pretty sure they'll probably come out with it this year i I think it's done but anyway that's it for this episode i'm going to play you guys a song from a band who actually reached out to me after one of my first episodes they're a band from italy called the groots and i actually did an interview for my upcoming zine with singer georgia about what inspires her and how they got their name they just released their record called personal cliches and i'm so stoked on this band they have such a cool unique sound and all of them are super cool people the song is called hd lies and i think it captures their sound beautifully I I was so into the band. They have a SoundCloud page. They're just they're they're awesome. I wish that I didn't live in New York and I lived in Italy because I would love to see them if they ever tour here. I'm gonna be there. But before I play the song, I'm going to tell you guys where to find me. Twitter is Rebel Hearts Girl, Facebook.com/slash Rebel Hearts Podcast, Instagram is Sam is Socks, and as always, my email is Rebel Hearts Podcast at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions, if you want to hear something, if you want to fact check me, I'm totally open to constructive criticism. I'm open to you reaching out to me for me to play your band. I'm open to anything. Just try and be nice to me because I'm incredibly fragile. (laughs) 
The zine has been sent for proofing and will be getting a PDF the next few days and I'm hoping I don't need major changes and when it comes out I will let you guys know and if you live on Long Island I will be having them available as shows for Graves. They have a show on May 19th at Avenue Music Hall and you guys should definitely check it out. Their soundcheck song is Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill and I still think that's really awesome and it sounds really cool. Um, I did the zine on an app called Adobe Comp. I have no idea how it works. The resolution on the text might be really shitty. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I'm hoping that the place where I'm printing it, it doesn't ruin it completely. It's 56 pages, guys, and it took me like four months to make, like nonstop every day on my phone. I've revised it a million times, and I'm really hoping that it comes out really cool. And I can't wait for you guys to see it. It features a lot of my friends, a lot of creative people who I respect and admire, a lot of um, photography by photographers who uh, let me use their photographs. A lot of cool people are in there. So without further ado, you guys should uh, definitely check out the band The Groots. As always, my name is Sam and here it is, HD Lies. Thank <laughs> you. 